Welcome to the Strong for Performance podcast, where we give coaches and consultants practical ideas for taking you to the next level in your business and in your life. I'm your host, Meredith Bell. I interview experts who've walked in your shoes and offer real-world experience that you can apply to your own journey. Welcome to another episode of the Strong for Performance podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Bell, and I am really delighted today to have with me Pamela Knoyer. Pamela, welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Well, I am delighted to have you uh, with me, and there are so many questions that I have for you. But before we jump into that, let me give my listeners a bit of a background, Mm -hmm. and then I'll have you fill in some of the details. Okay. Pamela has been um, a nationally and internationally recognized conflict management maven. I love that phrase. Uh, She's been a business and leadership coach, trainer, and speaker for more than 15 years. And one of the things I love most about her skill set is she can help leaders instantly shift success blocking belief systems that they've had. And I know so much about beliefs and what impact they have. So I love the fact that you help them make those instant shifts. And we'll learn more about that. And her specialties include mastering mindset, boundary setting and resolving conflict. So these are all such important skills for leaders and individuals in life. And so Pamela, I'm looking forward to going deeper with you in your journey. And speaking of that, would you give us a little bit of background about how you came to do the work you're doing today? Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm excited and honored and going to be very vulnerable right now. Because uh, one of the things I I said that I do is help people with conflict. Well, I had more conflicts than Carter has liver pills. I had all kinds of limiting beliefs that were going on in my life. And I was one miserable person with a big smile on my face. So it just seemed like I, I had to find a way to get beyond all that. And at the same time, when I would be in groups and work with people, I just continued to find ways to get find the commonality that people had and help bring them together and resolve their conflicts. So even though I was deeply conflicted, I was driven to resolve conflicts. So I feel like sometimes our life passion is, it stems from our life problems. Yes. And and here I was having the biggest problems of my life and trying to figure out how to resolve them. So people started telling me, oh gosh, you're so good at working with groups and getting them to sort of come together and and work together and you just make them feel good about themselves. And anyway, I just got a lot of compliments and finally one day said, someone said to me, have you ever considered being a coach? And I said, what do you mean coach? You know, I'm thinking football, baseball, basketball, (laughs) totally not athletic. And, and they, I said, no, what do, what do you mean? What is it? And so they said, well, you know, it's somebody who really encourages other people to be a better, bigger person. And that's what you do all the time. And I thought, wow, I could get paid for that. So, <laughs> so I started launching a coaching business and I hired a coach to help me build my business and grow a business. And she was instrumental in helping me get started. And then I've had other coaches along the way. And 
and here I am today. I've been doing this for 15, almost 16 years. I love it. I don't know when I'll retire because it's just not looking promising that I would want to. I just I can relate to that. I, I have people ask me that all the time. When you retire, <laughs> I don't. I don't plan to. I love what I do. Yeah, yeah. Why would I retire? Why would I retire? Would I Why would I and I've lived all over the world, literally. Um, I spent most of my time in tropical environments. Well, at least five years of our of uh, my life, and j just loved it. So I realized I could work from anywhere. All I need to do is be able to get on this. I can talk to people. I can teach workshops. I've done that for Nike. I remember I was standing in front of some kind of a camera and they had me in, um, in the Netherlands and I was on, you know, working with a class and I could see people getting out, moving around and I'd talk to them and learn their name. You know, it was just so fun. So I realized I never have to be in a classroom. I can still be virtual and live my life or they fly me out and I train. So it doesn't matter. I just love it. So that's, that's kind of, and, and I love uh, getting excited about life so I can be a highly engaging trainer. People listen to me because I tell stories and, you know, kind of go off and anyway, so it's fun. I love, I love life. Well, I know you do because in our earlier conversation, you just exude that kind of passion. Um, and you mentioned you've had issues, and I know one of the big challenges you had that I want to delve into today was you are a stage four lymphoma survivor. And yeah. so um, you had been willing to talk about this, and I'm so glad because so many listeners either have personally had health issues themselves or someone in their family. And I think it will be very valuable for us to explore your experience with that. So tell us a little bit about that story. Okay. Thank you. Um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, I think I'll start with what I noticed is I woke up one morning and I'm in the shower and I noticed that while I was showering, I had these two long, thin ropes. It felt like, and they were right where my leg attaches to my body. And I could not figure out what these were. So I went to see my naturopath and she did some thumping around and she said, you know, I want you to take some tests like today. So I took the test today and, and I said, what is it? And she goes, Oh, I just want to rule out a few things. She knew instantly that I had something very serious going on. Uh, then she said, and I want you to set an appointment with an MD because they're going to have to take you through, you know, whatever test results you're going to get. So we get the test results. They're inconclusive. They do all this work. It, it's a month of, of tests and, and uh, taking out lymph nodes and everything else. And finally, I, we get this phone call, my husband and I, from the doctor. And the whole time he goes, yeah, it's probably just a virus. And I said, so you're calling to tell me it's a virus, like I've always said. He goes, well, not really. Uh, actually, you uh, have lymphoma. And I said, well, what's that? And he said, it's cancer. And so when he said that, I, I put him on the speakerphone because I thought he was going to say all this great news. And my husband's sitting there with me, standing there with me. He literally collapsed onto the bed when the doctor said cancer. I was holding on to him to hold myself up. 
And I remember him saying, and by the way, you're at stage four. Your body is filled with tumors. And, and I said, I didn't even ask him what stage four meant. Well, actually, I think I did. I said, what is stage four? Because I was just so, I'm such a Pollyanna that I just refused to even consider things like that. So he said, well, it's pretty serious. And it means we need to do something right away. So, um, I, I, you know, I, I didn't know what to do. And I remember telling one of my friends, well, I just got a call from the doctor. They said, you're at stage four lymphoma. And the look on her face was ashen. You, she, she literally turned into a ghost. She saw me dead. It, it was like I saw my whole life pass before her eyes. Mm. And I realized that this was way more serious than I'd ever even considered. So I decided right away, I need to make a plan. And, um, you know, before I go through the healing process, I just want to tell you that what led me to all this was that I worked three and four nights through the night a week. I just refused. I thought sleep was a waste of time. Mm. I didn't need it. I needed to, to get my business up and running. I needed to make money. I needed to be able to pay my bills. And I needed to be ahead of the game. I needed to get my website great. You know, I, I mean, all the things that we go through as consultants and coaches. And I lived that nightmare of trying to make this work for probably, I've been doing this for almost 10 years. So I, I was just a mess that way. And then my marriage was pretty rocky because I was focused on that. I was spending all of our money toward putting it toward this business and uh, paying for it and everything else. And so we mortgaged our house twice. So you can just see that there's this, all this financial pressure. And my husband was ready to retire. And I said to him just before all this diagnosis was that I'd like to, let's go to the tropics. Let's move. Let's get out of here. Let's go somewhere warm. I'm so tired of Oregon. At the time, I was just tired of it. I was cold all the time. I was, it was wet. So I was in a very miserable mindset. And yet, if you talked to me, you thought I was the most positive, powerful person you'd ever met. Mm. So how many of us are living two lives at the same time? You know? mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I remember calling um, a spiritual friend of mine, a pastor, and I said, oh my gosh, I've just been diagnosed with this. And he goes, you know, Pamela, you have two choices. You can either live or die. And I'm like, what? Because <laughs> I, I never heard the word die yet. Stage four just was a stage. It didn't mean anything to me. And he goes, you can either choose to live or die. And I thought, um, okay, I don't like this. And he said, you need to straighten up your life now. And again, I was like, well, what do you mean? You know, because everybody sees the cheery, rosy side of me. Nobody saw that. And he did. And he knew it. And he just said, you need to get this together with your husband. You need to, to uh, have a new lease on life. You, you've got to pull this together and take care of yourself. So that was, that was my guidance. That was my outline for what am I going to do? So I'll take a breath there and <laughs> let you pull that in a little bit. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, it, just trying to imagine the shock 
Mm -hmm. getting news like that when you had been charging ahead and not mm -hmm. even thinking about the possibility that I would not even like consider could have happened because mm -hmm. your health seemingly had been fine yep. up to that point. Yep. And so I think this is a good time to look at, all right, that next phase, what did that look like? And how did you coach yourself being a coach? How did you coach yourself through that process of the diagnosis, then the treatment, which I'm sure, sure you went through, and then your recovery? Right. Yeah. Well, my friend, as I said, he just really rattled me and I thought, okay, I have to have a plan. And I actually have three things that I say in my coaching business is what we do. First of all, we, we become aware of the problem. And he is the one who really made me aware that the real problem was not the cancer. The real problem was the state of my life. Mm -hmm. um, then I had to assess what is going on, what's my situation look like, and, um, and figure out. Uh, then the third one is to take actions. What was my action going to be? So I decided I made some really rash decisions. I chose to not tell anyone except for people that I trusted would have my back because of the reaction that I had from my friend that saw me dead. Uh -huh. So as soon as I realized that I needed to tell people that I knew were going to see me alive and going to see me through it. So I got incredibly strategic. I remember telling my husband, okay, honey, you cannot tell so-and-so or such and such and so-and-so. I love them. They're part of our family and they're going to see me dead and bury me. They're going to call me and say, how are you today? Are you okay? You know, I, I just didn't want any of that. I wanted something positive. I wanted somebody saying, okay, here's the next step. What are you going to do here? How are you going to process that? I needed a coach. So I, I realized, okay, I've got to get a physical coach. I need a spiritual coach. I need an emotional coach or a mindset coach and um, a few other things along the way. So I literally assorted a team, assembled a team. And one was an energetic coach. She just kept having me think about what are you putting out there? Are you being positive toward this? Or are you really just deep-seatedly working with fear? So I read a book, uh, Heal Cancer by Dodie Osteen. And she, she's just, it's just, it's a book this thick, I swear. It's just tiny, tiny, quarter of an inch. And she just talked about her journey and how she had pancreatic cancer and completely survived. And I see her today on, on uh, video casts all the time. So I know the woman is still alive and this mm. is written in the eighties. And uh, she, she literally stayed the course. She decided the course she wanted to be on and she stayed the course. So she worked through it instead of stayed home and felt sorry for herself. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was really interesting. So that was one of my steps was I'm going to continue working. I'm not telling my clients, Oh, I'm sick right now. I need to take time off. I decided to charge ahead with as much as I could. So um, I chose a, I continued with my naturopath because she's the one who found the problem. She did some work with me around that. I found a naturopathic cancer doctor who put me on, on vitamins, a really cool regime, had me on eating certain foods a certain way. 
so that I was eating life all the time instead of death. Be very, very careful about what I ate, how I ate it. Um, you see, I got with a, a cancer doctor, a regular MD, who was probably the best in, in our state at the time. And I remember going in, This you're going to love this conversation. So I go in with him. And I'm interviewing this guy to see whether or not he's the best. He's supposed to be the best. And I said to him, so um, my husband's in the room and he goes, well, our first method of treatment for you is chemo. And I said, well, I'm not going to do chemo. And he goes, what? He goes, I thought I was the doctor and you were the patient. That's what he said to me. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm more afraid of the chemo right now than I am the cancer. And I don't want something that's going to kill every cell in my body. I'm already at the weakest immune state of my life. My immune system is not kicking in. So why would I take something else in my body that's going to kill every cell in it? So he said, oh, no, that's not how it works. I said, so what is the recovery rate? He said, well, you know, it's like 40%. I said, that's not good enough. So he's just like stumbling. He's just, he's in awe of me and my husband now is literally on his knees saying honey please take chemo do something so I've got him crying I have my doctor almost with his arms like this and I said I'm not going to do that do you have other options surely you have options and he says well I do have another option and so he told me about this other option that I this is when they started introducing the immune drugs and he said, you can do this. And this is, uh, this is something we can do. And I said, so what's the recovery rate on that? You know? And he said, well, it's about 80%, but it's still being tested. Uh, I said, I'll, he goes, you have one week to think about it. So I went home. Actually, I went to a, um, I, I went to California and I went to a, um, a church, the Bethel church, and it's a cancer free zone. So I had, they prayed for me and did all kinds of cool stuff. I have all kinds of stories around that one too. But the, and the end result, I had this guy, he came up to me and he puts his finger right on my head and he says, Pamela, it's all there. You decide whether or not you're healed or not. You decide, you make the choice. You are in the power. So you choose the power because you've been given that power. You are a spiritual being. You have all kinds of authority. You take your authority. And he says, and he said, do not go to the doctor and say, wow, wow, I feel bad. You can tell him I have this symptom. So tell me what to do about it. But he is just a drug pusher. That's all he does is push drugs. And he was absolutely right. All my doctor did was change the, the tincture, you know, the um, amounts and, and the way that the stuff went, he was not the, the support. And that's when I realized even more importantly that I have a coach, somebody who knew how to keep my mind in its place. Because I, I knew that every night I would go to bed and I wondered if I was going to wake up in the next morning. I needed more than just Pamela. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I was, I definitely have a strong prayer system. I, I, I had people around me who supported me, but I needed somebody to get in my help me get in my head and say, okay, let's look at that. Is this really, is this the thought you want to think? Mm -hmm. So yes, I got, I got 
at least five coaches. I, I have an article on my website about it, but um, it's, it was just an amazing journey. I, and I, I can share more. I'm just trying to give you that. Yeah, that's, pause. well, <laughs> there's a lot to, you know, unpack even from that, looking yeah. at the fact that you didn't just passively accept what the doctor initially told you. You pushed for more answers. Yeah. And I'm assuming you went through that second treatment that had the 80%. Yes, recovery. I did. I chose that. Right. Mm -hmm. And I so, um, yeah, so that whole process of going through that treatment, how mm -hmm. long was that treatment period? Um, well, it was supposed to be like 16 weeks or something like that. But after we, we did testing, remember I said my whole body was full of, in fact, I have pictures I should do a sh screenshot, but it'd take me too long to show it to you. But anyway, it's my whole body is just like black on the inside. And so they, they take tests every, you know, month or so to see where you are. Well, I had been like three months, three months of treatment. And he took the test and the doctor says, you're just not going to believe this. I'm like, oh yeah, I will. <laughs> and he shows the screen of me with all the black and then the next screen with no black. Well, there's black, but it's, it's sugar. So it's sugar was in the bladder and sugar's in your brain. So it showed that, but the rest of my body was like, it was in the bones. Cancer Stage four means it's in your bones. So there was nothing in my bones. It, it was like all clear. He goes, I don't get it. Now this was his treatment. He actually is the doctor who invented it. And he's just like, this is a miracle case. I'm like, well, yes, it is. It was just so exciting to see how excited he was. And um, yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. So yes, I, I went through that, but I stopped my meds early. I stopped everything early because I didn't need them anymore. And that was how long ago? That was, uh, that was in March, March of 2012, 2011. I, I was diagnosed November and March of 2012. I was cancer free. So eight Three years months. ago this month. Congratulations. Oh yeah, it was this month. What a great time for me to celebrate this story. That is, I love it. At least we're recording it in March. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So, when you think about that, I have to think that that whole experience has shaped mm. and informed the way you coach your clients. So talk about how mm. you incorporated or apply what you learned from going through that, all the elements of it that you mm -hmm. described. How do you bring that to your clients when you're coaching them? Well, first of all, um, I don't believe anybody has a problem that they're, that seems insurmountable that they haven't already surmounted a lesser problem that was like that. So you, you will always have something to go on. Like um, I was pregnant with my second uh, with our, with my second. And when uh, I think I was like four months along and I, I started to hemorrhage and I was in bed for like five months. And every day, this baby is going to live. This baby's going to make it. She's going to, you know, it's, I didn't know this, the gender at the time. 
but this baby is going to make it. This baby is going to be fine. I mean, I was reading Earl Nightingale. I was, I was reading every book you could imagine and putting things through my head because every thought was you're going to lose this baby. And then I had to counter it with your, no, I'm going to, I'm going to keep this baby. This baby is going to be fine. And by the way, she's one of the best coaches in the country right now. <laughs> she's 30 years old and pregnant with her own right now. Um, it, it was like, that was the experience that I was able to go back to and relive that. Okay. I did this once I can do it again. Mm-hmm. This one's not only threatening somebody else's life, it's threatening my life. So I, it was like, I could, I could use that. So when I work with people, I always find a way, how can we go back to something that you've already overcome? It may not be as insurmountable as that seeming, but it, it's something, and we've all overcome something, mm-hmm. or we wouldn't be alive. So that's one of the tools that I, I learned, I recognize, is that I just have to go back on my wins and just keep building my wins. So yeah, I, I work a lot on mindset, leadership. Leadership is all about seeing yourself lead, seeing yourself down the road. So I... I remember <clears throat> being afraid that one of my children would drown. So I remember um, just, I just had this fear of drowning my children, my children drowning, not me drowning them. And, uh, and so I just kept praying, like I, I need to see something. So I saw my little baby at 12 years old. I saw her, I had an image of her at 12 years old and she was fine. So it was like, I knew then she was not going to drown. So sometimes, you know, we just have to do whatever it takes for us to get there. But those, those build on the next pieces. Yeah. So we all have them. And it's finding how to pull that up. And that's what helps us lead is that we're excited about those stories. And, and you lead people because you love them. Anyway, I... I I'm probably digressing here. No, no. All of that is um, extremely relevant because we're talking about really how you show up, how yeah. you think, and, yeah. and what, what you pull from in order to, like you say, move forward. Yeah. And so thinking about your own experience and, and what you drew from to help you get through it from your past I think that you're bringing up such an important point because when we're in the middle of an issue, a challenge, and the greater the challenge, the easier I think it is to lose perspective Yes. on no, where no our successes were in the past. It's so right. easy to pull from our other failures. Yeah. And, what, and, and so are we inevitably going to have another one now because we had these past things that didn't go well for us. So I'm guessing some of your clients may have that same thought pattern that they're, when they're faced with a problem, they're thinking more about what could go wrong because of some situations in the past that didn't go wrong, it go right. So how do you help them reframe Uh, it so that they focus on those positives, those successes instead of the past failures? You know, I, I actually had a conversation today um, with a client who was feeling like, you know, just with this, we're, we're right in the middle today of a scare around the coronavirus and right. gosh, here we are a coach and are, how are we going to make it? Because, you know, 
all of our clients are stopping spending money and people are freaking out. And uh, she, she was really concerned about um, her parents, you know, that she would have to move back home, you know, and she's in her forties or fifties, you know, what, what, just all these fears and all she saw was failure. And, um, you know, and she said, and, and my parents haven't offered to help. And so I just sat and listened to her for a minute. And I said, so where's the gift in your, your parents not helping you all these years? And she just sat there like, what? What do you mean gift? That was not a gift. So well, what if it were? Who are you because of that? And so she says, well, I pulled out every one of my traumas. Hmm. I, I, in fact, I'm here today because... I was, even though I was out of money here and I didn't, I lost my home there and I did this there, you know, all the stories that, you know, that came up. She was like, here I am today. I still have investments and I still have this. And now I'm threatened again. And, and your parents aren't helping you because why? Well, because they wanted me to see that uh, it, they believe in tough love that I could, like, that I could really do this myself. And I said, well, did it work? And she's like, well, I guess it did. <laughs> you know, it's like we can look at every situation and either see that it's a negative or that it brought us through it. And if you've been abused, assaulted, yelled at, screamed at, hurt, robbed from, stolen from, you know, whatever, is there a gift in that? And what, not necessarily in what they did, but who did you become afterwards? Did you become a victim or did you decide to step out of it and become bigger and better than the problem? That, you know, we're always faced with that opportunity, Meredith. And yes, yes. I see that you're the kind of person who actually steps out of it. <laughs> yes, know? I um, you know, and, and I've been passionate about, you know, self-development since I can remember. Right. And it's always what's the next level I can evolve to. Uh -huh. um, and, but I can see with your, your questioning skills, just with what you demonstrated there and how you approach that client today, helping them regain the, uh, I won't say the right perspective, but, a, a more positive, a balanced yeah. perspective. Yeah. As we're, we're talking um, all about balance. Mm -hmm. And so what are some of the things that you see related to mindset because mm -hmm. you work in that area so much and you help people make these instant changes. Can you give mm -hmm. me an example of a client where in a very short period of time, you helped them shift their thinking so that they saw themselves in their situation differently? You know, I have this exercise I call this, the, um, uh, the serenity process. And if I have a client like, uh, I'll just go with one. She was just really, really upset. Um, the whole company was in uproar. All kinds of things were happening. And she was being blamed for a lot of the of things that had happened, even though it really wasn't her that had caused it. I mean, you know, we could go down the aisle, but she was really taking it all in personally and holding on to it and taking that responsibility. And she literally... She, her shoulders were drooping. She just had this look on her face. So I just said, okay, I'd like you to stop right now. And let's, let's just close your eyes. 
And I walked her through this serenity process, which I'll walk you through it very quickly, but at her close her eyes and just listen into her body, feel into her body and say, where are you feeling that tension, that stress? Where is it in your body? And, you know, everybody answers differently. It's in my stomach, it's in my throat, it's in my heart, it's in my head, it's in my shoulders, you know, wherever. People hold it in strange places. Some people on their left hands, like, why? who knows why? But it, it is where they hold it. And so I said, so let's just sit with that. I want you to watch it, observe it on, from the inside. Well, it's like you have spiritual eyes and tell me what you see. So it's like they're going in and they're actually paying attention to the pain, paying attention to the trauma, paying attention to the stress. And as they pay attention to it, it starts either getting worse or it starts to soften. And if it gets worse, I'm like, just follow it. Let's talk to it. Let's see what's going on. Ask it. What are you there for? What are you causing? What are you doing? And listen to what it says and it will talk back to you. It's so strange. So I did this with my cancer. I was like, okay, why are you here? Well, <laughs> and you just wouldn't believe the things that came up. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. So I had to, I reckon, I reconciled with the cancer mm. and literally reconciled with it. So that is just like one of the exercises that I do with clients is have them do a deeper journey because, you know, we think it's, oh, I just have to solve this and I have to answer that. And it's very pragmatic and it's not, it's all messy. It's all gooey. It's all everywhere. And if we can get in there and just sort of straighten it out. But as soon as she saw, I think she saw a cloud. I'm, I'm, I can't remember what it was she saw, but she say she saw a cloud. And she spoke to the cloud and, the, you know, I said, so does this really belong to you? And, and the cloud said, no. And I said, well, then tell it goodbye. She goes, goodbye. And I said, now what do you see? And she goes, nothing. It's gone. That's interesting. So why do you think it's gone? Well, I guess I didn't own it. It wasn't really mine. It was somebody else's. I'd taken it on. Good point. So what do you want to do with that? So now what do I do? You know, I mean, literally that's an instantaneous shift and she didn't have the stress anymore. And then we could logically solve the problem. But I said, you are not going to solve this problem being stressed and freaked out. It just doesn't work like that. Mm. You got to get your body back into, you got to get back into your body so that you're in your head. So you can be, now you can think clearly without all this other internal emotional chatter messing with your head yeah anyway that's that's a great example um and it reminds me of you know this whole idea of having a busy mind uh, and um you know so much is going into it how can you possibly make a, a sound decision or exactly. choice with all that got all these competing thoughts or you know not even necessarily competing but just a barrage of thoughts that yes. go through the mind that prevent us from having that clarity. So what you're doing is helping people yeah. slow down and listen. Uh huh. Yeah. And I can speak as one who tends to be a doer, you uh -huh. know, doing this, getting this done, getting that uh -huh. done to slow down and just get quiet and listen is not what gets rewarded in our world. You know, no, it's what results it are produced. So learning to do that 
requires a shift in itself. It is. Just it giving yourself yeah. permission to say it's okay to not be accomplishing something in this moment that is a tangible thing right. because what I'm doing is attending to myself so that I yes. can then exactly. perform more effectively. Exactly. exactly. On track. Talk, talking to this client, Meredith, this is just so right on. I could feel her resistance. And I said, you're thinking that we need to come up with this problem, solve it, and then eventually we'll go in and deal with you. She goes, you got it. <laughs> and I said, so may I remind you that you are really not in a mindset or a place to solve anything. All you want to do is hurt people right now emotionally because they've hurt you. So what happens if we take it from there? Well, I guess it's probably not going to go where I want it to. Okay. So let, will you just humor me? We're going to take five minutes and I guarantee that you will, you will have, you will get hours worth of work done if you'll take this five minutes with me. I love that. So it, but it's, I have to put the guarantee out there. I have to let them know you will see something on the other side of this. If you will just do this process mm -hmm. or whatever it is I'm asking them to do, just let's, let, we're going to take a side stop here because this problem cannot be solved with the same mind that created it. And right now, you are in that same mindset. That's the Einstein. Hello. Mm -hmm. That's <laughs> Not even my wisdom. <laughs> yeah. I love, yes, I love that approach because you really are not trying to deal with the symptom. You're right. going deeper to solve yeah. really the real internal exactly that's preventing them from even seeing exactly. other alternatives at that moment. Yeah. And I think the other challenge we have is we feel like we're right. You know, our feelings tell us I'm, I'm right. I can justify all this, right. <laughs> especially right. with that situation you were just describing with her. And I think that can happen with us. And I think uh, an important takeaway for listeners is this applies at home and at work. You're emotionally distraught about a family member, let's say, uh -huh. that said or done something that uh -huh. you felt was wrong or, you know, was hurtful or harmful to get wrapped up around that mm -hmm. and the emotion associated with it does not put us in a good place to respond in a way that's going to um, make the situation better. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're just spot on. Of course you're spot on. <laughs> this is what you do. <laughs> well, um, it's just so interesting to observe my own behavior, my own thinking mm -hmm. when I'm in a situation where I could react emotionally yes. because it triggers something in me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pausing yeah. and thinking the best of the other person, not the worst. Yes. Because most of the time people, you know, they really are doing the best they can with what they, they know are. and have at the time. And so we don't have to become that way ourselves. No, we do not. You're absolutely right. I, I was in a pickleball drill class <laughs> on Tuesday and the instructor, just an amazing woman, and she kept ragging on people being uh, not canceling at the last minute. And, you know, she, anyway, she's been doing this. She's done this probably about six times. So everybody's in there patiently listening 
And I noticed that her class size was getting smaller. And so um, I, we just happened to have a break. I, I talked to her and I said, you know what I do for a living? She goes, I do. <laughs> she just had that look like, okay, I'm going to get it. <laughs> she goes, well, do you think I really screwed it up? And she goes, these people are wrong. You know, and I said, okay, so what if we're coming here because we don't care if we get a partner or not. We just care that we're coming for the drills and that you're going to teach them and it will work itself out and nobody cares. They're not paying enough. You know, it's just a, it's a really inexpensive, awesome way for us to get this work. What if this really has to do with you and you're triggered around time or, you know, around canceling and not being informed? She just sat there. She goes, okay, you could have a point. <laughs> and I said, it's okay. It's okay if that's what it is. Just if you get that and you get that people are faithful to you because they love your class and they're going to continue to come. And this really isn't their trigger. It's yours. She goes, you know, I never thought of it like that. I said, and you're welcome to say something. She goes, shouldn't I say something? I said, yes, but just say it once. If you go on and on, it's about you. If you say it once, it's about them. They need to hear it. And she goes, point taken. She goes, and I didn't have to pay for it. <laughs> it was so cute. <laughs> That's great. Well, Pamela, I know we could keep talking because it's such a, so um, insightful listening to you. And I think our listeners have gotten lots of ahas and ideas about doing that serenity process that you described. I love that. Um, but since we need to bring it to a close, okay. I would love for you to share how can uh, my audience learn more about you, connect with you mm -hmm. on social media. Okay, so um, uh, clearly I'm on LinkedIn, and if you just say, hey, I watched Mary this pod podcast, I will accept you in an instant. Uh, otherwise, I, I'm like, who is this person, and why are they asking me, and I don't know them, so I'm actually pretty careful about who I do accept. Uh, also, I, if you're listening to this podcast and you're interested, I would be happy to do a um, really it's a strategy session on your business and where you're going and maybe where your mindset is. So I, I will put that in the chat. Is that okay for me to do that? Yes. We'll put okay. that on the show notes page. Okay. Um, when your um, interview goes live. So okay. people will be able to uh, connect with you and take advantage of that. I highly recommend yeah. my listeners do that because as you can tell from listening to Pamela, she's got an amazing uh, amount of insight and wisdom as a coach and your questions are great. I love the, the questions oh, you ask you. each of those different folks. And you also have, I will brag on it, a fabulous new website that <laughs> Thank is you. You know, visually stunning and also filled with really great information. Yes. So. Um, and uh, that is um, your name, right, Pamela? Well, actually, if they just go to powerfulandtrue.com, it'll perfect. Powerful yeah, powerfulandtrue.com. Great. Yeah, spelling my last name is a nightmare. <laughs> That's a much easier yeah. thing to do. That's great. Well, thank you, Pamela. It has been such a joy to get to talk to you today, and I'm just so grateful 
to you and all the people whose lives you've touched because of oh. your gifts as a coach. Well, I thank you. I'm, I'm so grateful to be alive today and to be still sharing yes. this. And uh, if we get an opportunity, I have way more stories. <laughs> Other <laughs> Definitely things. look at having another conversation. Thank yeah. you. Oh, thank you. God bless you, Meredith. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Strong for Performance podcast. Now head over to growstrongleaders.com to learn how our tools can increase your impact with clients and expand your business. And while you're there, grab our free ebook, The Five Secrets to Getting Better at Anything. Until next time, I'm Meredith Bell. Make it a great day.